0: Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Health Check series. Okay, so we've come to the end of our series on Revelation. No R, No, no, no kind of sense of, you know, loss? That, or is it? just a little bit too close to the knuckle sometimes? Does it make you feel a little um, a bit uncomfortable? A bit disturbed because of the readings of what has been going on? Yeah? Would you say it's a little bit kind of close to the knuckle? You can actually speak to me. You know that, right? You can actually kind of respond to that because the, the, the thing is that's a good thing. I really do think it's a good thing that we can be disturbed, that we can be uncomfortable with the reading of the Word of God, because it's supposed to. It's not, yeah, there's some lovely things in here. We all all have our favorite passages, don't we? Yes? All the things which we love, and it really is encouraging and stuff like that, and it makes us feel warm inside. But there's stuff, some stuff in here which is really hard to grasp hold of. It's a little bit too hot to handle sometimes. But that's a good thing. And so it's so easy just to kind of leave this behind. Uh, uh, Yeah, another sermon series done, dusted. What's next? And I don't want us to rush away from this, because the thing is, in our life groups, in our in our homes and stuff like that, we should be discussing this. What is the Lord trying to say to us as a church? He says, you know, the Spirit. Let the Spirit, um, you know, you hear what the Spirit is saying to saying to the churches, to say to our church and we can only do that collectively i have my thoughts i have my thoughts about this and i would love to hear your thoughts of where we are as a church maybe life group leaders can feed back what do you think jesus would be writing to us and we'll see if we're on the same wavelength because if the Lord is saying something, what I feel is in my heart, and, and it starts to come through, then we have to kind of listen and go, okay. Because we are just as risk as, you know, looking through the, uh, this letter to these seven churches, we are at risk of all this stuff. Even the ones who, you know, Jesus had nothing against. And they said, just keep on doing They were still at risk of falling behind because of the persecution and, the, uh, and they had to endure all these things that were going on. So they were just as at risk as any of the ones where Jesus says, hey, up. Oi, pull your socks up. Yeah? So please don't think you... Uh, yeah, well, well, you, I, we can get away with a nice kind of comfortable because it's so easy to be comfortable in our comfort zone, basking in the richness of what we have, and we miss the point. That's the wake-up call of why we have been reading this letter. And we're only three chapters in, We've got a whole bunch of stuff in here, but we're not going to get there. We're not going to look at all the controversy of these things. Well, one day we will. Don't worry. One day we will. We will tackle this book. And I'm going to enjoy tackling this book, because it's a good book. I'm going to enjoy tackling the whole of this. So what have we learned so far? Well, quite a lot, really. So we've uh, so we've had uh, Jake and I. We spoke on the Ephesus and Smyrna. Ephesus, we kind of learnt about uh, them forsaking their first love, abandoning their first love. They were all busy. Everything was all hunky dory there. Where they were, they were certainly busy doing good stuff, but they had lost what they were doing it for. Smyrna was they just got to keep on going, keep on enduring, keep on going in the, uh, in, in, don't look at that, perse- allow that persecution to affect you. Then we had Kat, who uh, really kind of had a hard one. Sorry about that. You chose it though. <laughs> no, sorry. But you had, you had a different, yeah. So you had a hard one, Pergamon and Thyatira. Identify, uh, and identifying false teachings and dodgy stuff going on in the church. They needed to repent and separate themselves to be whole once again. They were called to repent. Then we had Claire with Sardis. Are you alive or dead? Wake up! We like it. Time to wake up. And then David coming to us with Philadelphia about the endurance. That sense of endurance through hardship. And you can't really kind of get any harder than being in a war and facing that fear of what could happen next. And it creates character in us a promise that jesus is coming back amen are we ready for that but all these things all these churches have in common and you know the one which i've got Laodicea here we all have that to to those who are victorious None of these churches had blown it. They weren't past redemption. They weren't past saving. There was always hope. There was always hope that there's something good can come out of this mess or this endurance or what was going on. They hadn't blown it. And so we look at Laodicea. Now, Laodicea, I think, is one of the most recognized most recognized of the chur- uh, these churches one these group okay first one i would say ephesus is and laodicea you know the book ends. the others are kind of okay who can remember all the all the churches and it's a horseshoe if you remember on the map there's like a horseshoe so we were right at the end of the horseshoe So Laodicea, what do we know about Laodicea? Well, like all the other um, cities, they were on good trading routes. So the regular traffic there made it a wealthy place. It was a center of banking for the region. It was also famed for its medical um, school, which specialized in healing of eyes. So, are you noticing the kind of thing on the reading here? Are you noticing that the reading is kind of picking up on these little things? Also, it was famed for its breeding of black sheep. It had very high quality wool, and it was black wool, and it was highly sought after. So we got the center of banking, We got a medical school on eyes and textiles. Material, highly recommended, highly sought-after wool. But it didn't have a very good water supply. So in the summer, the river Lysis would regularly dry up in the summer. However, the two local cities which were close by had abundant source of water. One, which was Heropolis, had wonderful hot springs, so volcanic springs, and it was, uh, in fact, before they put an aqueduct in, it would uh, kind of go over the side of this massive cliff, and it would look like a waterfall. It was white. All the calcification, all the minerals in this water would calcify as it was uh, cascading over this high ridge. And so they uh, they thought, why Laodicea needs some water. Why we're going to put an aqueduct in. So four or five miles away, Laodicea. And by the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. So this hot spring, and it was horrible to drink. Because of all the uh, minerals and stuff like that, it would actually make you sick. So what about the other city? The other city was Colosse, and it was supplied by abundant water of a nice mountain right next to them, alpine, fresh water, wouldn't that be lovely, okay? So right, let's go do another aqueduct. Eleven miles later, okay, under the Turkish hot sun, it also arrived there, Luke. Warm. they couldn't win either way they couldn't get the hot water no, they couldn't get the cold water they just got lukewarm water and if you've ever drunk a lukewarm cup of tea it's not very nice I know there might be some strange people like uh, kind of lukewarm tea um, it's not something I you like lukewarm tea or oh, it's not something I, I, I like uh, or coffee or anything like that really uh, unless it's freezing cold do think it's all right so so they were between a rock and a hard place this lukewarm water and so that's why it's become a proverb in the bible in the christian circles that we do not want to be like the laodicean church which are lukewarm apathetic complacent distracted remember yeah that the water mixing we don't want to be lukewarm we want to be hot and and jesus even don't mind you being cold he just doesn't want you sitting in the middle playing footsie with the world okay So, have we become apathetic? It's so easy to become uh, just same old, same old. And just let it happen to us rather than actually making a kind of sense of purpose. And Jesus preferred that the Christians here at Laodicea were either hot or cold because Jesus was disgusted with the lukewarmness. Now, in in the, uh, new tes- uh, in the NIV here, it says spit you out. Well, actually, it's a much stronger word. Vomit you out. So you know that water, the, the hot water, water was lukewarm, what came to, what made you sick. Now, if you wanted to drink that, it will make you vomit. And that's what he was saying, that actually tasting these Christians, he's going to vomit them out. Spitting or vomiting is not really nice, is it? It's not something we think that the Lord is going to do, but he is saying that he was going to vomit them out because it makes him sick had the success of the city made the church smug like attitude we are okay we are good enough yeah I don't we don't need any help from anyone in fact there was a a, there was a a earthquake I think it was AD 61 and it affected the whole region and so they had to call out to the Roman um, uh, coffers to help them out and rebuild. But one of the uh, cities could actually refuse to be helped by the Romans, the central Roman uh, kind of uh, funding. And they said, and Laodicea were the t- town What said, no, we don't need anything. We're OK, thanks. And it was a great source of prestige for them that we don't need help from anyone. had this same attitude got through good enough don't need any help but jesus says you're poor blind and naked poor but they were the central banking they were blind but they had a medical school based on able to help people see and naked and they were producing this wonderful Material, you see, culture was not going to help them. So, and Jesus says, purchase gold from me, eye ointment from me, and white garments instead of black. Now, I haven't got time to go into those kind of things in great detail. But you see, the real message here, and I really want you to get this, that Jesus doesn't leave them in their plight. Despite the real sense of onslaught of them being kind of poleaxed by the Lord and saying, you're not any of the things which you think you are. But what did he say that Jesus says to those whom I love I rebuke and discipline hear that if you were not going through this stuff that means you are illegitimate then you don't even belong to the Lord and we see this uh, said, uh, said in uh, Hebrews 12, and it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have, uh, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, my son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone goes through discipline, then you are not legitimate. Uh, uh, non. Yeah, sorry. You are not legitimate. Not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all have human fathers who have disciplined us and where we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for what? For our good. Do you hear that? That sometimes we suffer, we go through things because we are being disciplined. Because he loves us and it is for our good to produce a character in us. And that's what David was talking about last week. You know, This forges character in us when we have to endure and go through stuff. It makes us stronger. I think in our Christian world, we think that actually the norm is everything good. And when something bad happens, it's like, <gasps> Well, actually, if we go around the other way, that we're in this wilderness. We go from uh, oasis to Oasis. And it is tough. It is a grind. Life is not easy. But when the good times are, we can celebrate and say yes, because really the norm is not great. If we flip it like that, we're not surprised of the hardship we go through. But then we can celebrate and say, hey, a thing which is lost, I have found. Celebrate with me like the wood- a widow who lost her coin. We need to have a different attitude and realize that, yeah, okay, the world is going to be against us. If we love Jesus, we are going to be persecuted in some way or form. We're not going to be liked, we're not going to be the cool kids. We're not, because people think we're strange. We've got two heads because we follow Jesus. But the thing is, we've got something on our side, which is far greater than any of the things which we go through. So don't be surprised with suffering. Don't be surprised at hardship. Think on, okay, Lord, what are you teaching me here? And no, it's because he loves us and wants to do good to us. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees Make level paths for your feet so that that is lame will not be disabled, but rather healed. It's time to strengthen. Now, I know I've got a bad knee, Andy's got a bad knee, Emily's got a bad knee. We might, we might, able to make one human being with us. We all might be squeaking, we might all be aching, and all those kind of different things. And we may be feeling really weak. Not strong enough to carry on going through. And Jesus here says through this writer, Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Believe in him. Be earnest and repent. There's always a way back. And that's the wonderful thing about the, this letter. There's always a way back. He is so in love with you. He wants this relationship with each one of us. And he wants us all to come back to him. That was the whole point. He wasn't just going to wipe them off and say, right, that's it, I've given up with you. Away with me, away with you, you sinners. No, he says, repent. Come back to me, I miss you. Huh? I miss you. Be earnest, stir up, be strengthened, pull your socks up. We are his household, his job is our job is to welcome him home every time he comes. Now, now this very uh, familiar verse is uh, here. It says, um, So, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, they with me. Now, I've heard it in many gospel kind of things of for the non-Christians to come forward because he's knocking on the door of your heart. Okay now it's out of context okay it's okay it's still good it's still good it's still wonderful but it's out of context who is he talking to he was talking to the church he was talking to believers already and he's saying come you know i'm knocking on the door open that door and let me in and we will eat together We will have a meal together. And it kind of, it it brings back the thoughts of that this is the breaking of bread. It's the love feast. Remember what I have done for you on the cross. My blood shed for you to wash away all this mess. To restore our relationship with him this is the bridegroom knocking on the door of the house where his beloved lies asleep that's from the song of solomon it's a precursor to the marriage feast of the Lamb, which we see in revelation 21 which we'll get there one day Come, eat with me, is his words. Jesus wants to share a meal, like he shared with his disciples his last meal, a picture of his powerful and personally giving himself for his people. All we have to do is open the door. We haven't blown it, but we need to know what we have learnt from these churches. Where are we? Are we under siege from poor choices, persecution, smugness, apathy? Have all these things taken its toll on us? What do we need to repent? How do we need to reconnect? To go his way, not our way. To be restored and to be saved, to be restored. What is Jesus saying to his churches? was he saying to locking castle church and i would love to hear that feedback ask yourselves in your life groups in your Bible, you where know, in your prayer, prayer triplets whatever you do talk about it compare these scriptures and this see what the lord is saying to us i have my thoughts but i would love to hear your thoughts so that goes out to you life group leaders okay i'd like some uh, feedback please you send me an email or you can talk to me do my me ear off or whatever okay but i want to hear what you're saying what is the church saying what is the church feeling i'm encouraged that there's always hope and to those who are victorious I would give a right to sit with me on my throne. What a promise. What a promise. Just as I, he was victorious and sat down on his father's throne. So, whoever has ears. And we got ears, we learned that. We got ears, we got two, two ears, haven't we? Yeah? What is our spiritual ears? Are our spiritual ears open? Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to Locking Castle Church. Shall we pray? So, Father, Father, I thank you for this opportunity that you've spoken to us through your word. Help us not to run away from this, but to sit with it, to let it um, uh, percolate in us and see where we are as a church and how we can move from good to great, Lord. Lord, help us in our own personal relationship. Help us in our up. Help us in our in, our communal relationship with each other. And Lord, help us in our disciple-making. Help us not to take our eyes off the prize of knowing you and how you can work through us in bringing salvation to this world, Lord. So, Lord, we ask you now. We ask you now to move by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.